You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members, for members. In Season 11, educators discuss a culture of care with Dr. Amy Yillick. Welcome back to OEA Grow. I'm Dr. Amy Yillick, your host for Season 11. Today, we are continuing our conversation on culture of care with Amber McGill and Aaron Taylor. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Um, Last week, we talked a little bit about, you know, what culture of care is and how we got started. Um, I'd love to actually just talk about, like, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis? So, Erin, like, what does a normal day look like for you? I don't know what normal is anymore. I feel like it's (laughs) every day is different. Um, But, I, you know, we... um, I like to, on any given day, we're doing presentations or professional development for our surrounding school districts, um, facilitating some meetings to connect with folks. Um, Some days, my favorite days, I get to spend on school campus grounds and walking in in and out of classrooms and doing some coaching with teachers on applying tools and strategies with their students especially those uh, students with the most growth potential. Right. What kind of, what in your, in your role, what is the professional development that you usually provide on our team? Yeah. So I, my passion in the work is very much, what are the tools and strategies we give teachers that are actually trauma, trauma responsive to do the work? So what do we do with kids that's trauma responsive? How do do I shape my management practices so that they're not shaming and not exclusionary, but they're inclusive and they're empowering students in their responses to to directions and things like that? And how are we fostering students to build independence? Right. Do you have like a kind of go-to strategy that you often share that you could share with us today? Um, I think the... A couple of my favorites have come from my uh, mentors in the field. There's uh, Dr. Tim Feeney, and he has simple scripts, big deal, little deal, easy, hard, your job, my job, ready, not ready. And those scripts can be applied universally from K-12. Don't tell him, but I actually use those scripts sometimes on my husband, because when I'm not sure <laughs> what to say, I can make those scripts fit a lot of situations and it helps me just simplify what I'm saying. Um, Was doing some problem solving with a teacher last night on, you know, some strategies that she was using. She was using great strategies and we just layered in easy hard into that of, is this going to be easier? Is this going to be hard for you, buddy, to make this transition? And she's, the light went on and she went, oh my goodness. Yes. He can tell me before it's time to transition if it's going to, if it's going to be hard for him to leave the task he's doing and just those simple tools, I like simple, easy to implement tools that aren't going to take, you know, a lot of brain power to do them. 
Um, the other go-to strategy that I talk about is from Michael Grinder's Envoy work, and that's that power to influence continuum of really learning how to use our nonverbal communication in an influence-first approach so that we're influencing the students with our behavior, with what we want them to do, as opposed to going to that's power great. and commanding that you will. Right, right, right. Um, we'll... For the listener, we'll provide links to these resources for you in the podcast notes. So I'll make sure to include Aaron's um, reference to Tim Feeney's scripts and Michael Grinder's work so you can access that as well. Amber, how about you? What, is a, what does a normal day kind of look like for you? I was actually just looking at my calendar to try to get a, an example of a snapshot. And so I'm, uh, a day in the life could start with... In, thinking about even this week, uh, facilitating a book study for the HR department of a school district, um, mm-hmm. doing that on the empathetic workplace. So bringing that trauma-informed lens. So actually holding space for um, district level staff to apply this work and this learning. Um, then most likely a team check-in of some kind, whether it's just with us or um, partners that we work with, um, other folks in the community. We're on lots of teams and committees. So I would say uh, most weeks I'll have some sort of, whether it's with our restorative justice and equity or the Central Oregon Health Council, uh, some group that we are at the table um, to continue to advocate and promote our work. Um, And then I'm prepping content. So for an upcoming presentation, our workshop that I'm doing, I'm spending time takes a lot of time to put slides together uh, as we're, one, adding maybe new material, but also really customizing for what a specific school or group or team is asking for. So I'd say that's um, a lot of time in our days. Um, Right now, I've been working on adjusting my trauma response and restorative leadership um, content. Um, So really looking at the audience as people in leadership roles and how we can speak their language and give them the resources and tools and coaching that they need uh, to promote this work on, on their level. Um, and then most of my days end, my afternoons, evenings end with uh, clinical supervision. So I am supporting 10 social workers in our region. Um, so I have four uh, graduate level social work interns that are doing school-based work that I provide weekly supervision for, um, doing a group with them. And then I have six um clinicians, so folks who have their master's in social work and are um, working in schools, and they are working towards obtaining their clinical license, so to become an LCSW, so they get an hour a week for me. So I have 10 different folks that I'm connecting with, um, providing that space for them to process, to grow professionally, um, to hear, you know, what they're, the challenges they're dealing with, um, to brainstorm interventions, uh, reflect on our practice, and grow together. Yeah. That's great. And I would say my work very much looks like your work and Aaron's work, though a lot of the the kind of the areas that I'm focusing on are more of the neurobiology of trauma and then wellness. How do we, you know, take care of ourselves in this this hard work for sure. You know, something we didn't talk about previously and I think it aligns with what we do is our advisory board that, you know, we have this group of people that come together and they really help guide our work. Um, 
would one of you be willing to just kind of briefly discuss what that what that is, what it looks like, and how that how we choose what we do? Yeah, I think this originated with all the folks that were in on applying for the grant and were invested in like shaping the work. Um, so representatives from each school district as well as some invested community partners. Um, and as time has gone on, that has morphed and adjusted and, you know, there's been turnover of people and we've tried to keep that representation from each district um, and then expanded different partners that we now work with that um, help us uh, and help guide us, I think. So w- right now we're meeting every other month and uh, it's just an opportunity for us to um, maintain and deepen our connection and relationship and to just have that pulse on what's going on, what are the needs, um, how can we better serve. Uh, also, it's a time for us to report out and say, this is what we've done over the last couple of months. These are each each district, we give a report on you know the schools that we've served, the workshops we've provided, the requests that we're getting, uh, whatever we're doing, so that that representative can have a sense of what we are doing. Um, and And then we're always um, facilitating discussions around um, what we're struggling with, what we would like input on, how can we kind of co-continue to co-create this work? And it's not just done in isolation. Um, We, for example, I feel like this, um, this fall, we've really been trying to establish boundaries in our work and what is our lane and what is not our lane? (laughs) What are things we can say no to? um, And where, where are our priorities? If everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. So um, I think we have discussions among, you know, the team all the time about that, but we need um, other perspectives on that. And we need to kind of, yeah, and invite input, uh, which can feel vulnerable. And sometimes I don't want people telling me what I should do. Uh, but I think that's the <laughs> accountability. accountability in this work is like, we're here to serve and be responsive. And so we have to listen. Um, so it's just been a great um, community for us to tap into, I think, for like mutual support and that they get to hear, you know, what, how they can access us and, and utilize that sometimes someone from one district will hear us sharing, Oh, we're doing this, this, and this district. And they're like, Oh, Hey, can you come do that for me? So it helps them even understand what are the kinds of things because our, most people in our lives, it's confusing what we do. We try to describe it because we're not, you know, a kind of cookie cutter uh, job description. And as I've shared, each day is a little bit different and filled with all kinds of things. Um, so these are the people that are in the work with us, they get it and um, support us and also where we're helping to, like we're advocating for funding and they're um, our advocates in this community. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for explaining that. Erin, um, what do you love about your job, about the things you do? Um, I love the freedom to make it my own. I love that I get to sink into my passions and I get to to lean in to to what makes me unique in, in this role. Um, I love working alongside of teachers and giving and coaching. And I like the variety to the days. I like that no two days are the same. And I might be spending time in kindergarten in a school district today. And tomorrow I will be working on presentations and doing an early release presentation for a, a school the next day. Um, I like that we get to we get to serve all the districts in our region. So we get to see, you know, keep our fingers on what's truly going on and we get to be in a lot of buildings. And what we're finding is things are pretty similar everywhere. 
and there's uniquenesses, but there's some common things and some common themes and needs out there for us to meet. Great. How about you, Amber? What do you love? I love a lot of things. The first thing that comes to mind is I love being able to meet a need to provide a resource in a timely manner. So uh, I had a, for example, I had a district uh, leader say, uh, kind of casually, I was at a, a meeting and they said it would be so nice to have some sort of template or structure that um, our staff can use when a student is returning from, let's say, a uh, suspension uh, and has been out and they need sort of a welcome back um conversation that's more than just a sort of standard re-entry protocol, uh, but really with a restorative lens to think about what is the harm that needs to be repaired, what are the supports that needed uh, that, that are needed, and how can we be really thoughtful about welcoming someone back versus just plugging them back into the same kind of unhealthy <laughs> uh, situation. And so anyway, they mentioned that. And then I was I went and like created a little template, shared it out. Like I, I love that like in the moment response and that I have the capacity to do those things that people are like, oh, it would be so nice if we could just do this. Or I would, I need this, an activity or an idea. Like it's not complicated, it's just people don't have time and bandwidth. And so I like being able to meet that need. And then I would say, I also love, um, mentorship and holding space for people to process really hard things that they're having to deal with and they don't have any place to take that. Thinking of my social workers in particular, um, to be able to provide that, um, that clinical lens and supportive uh, relationship where it is confidential um, and we are aligned in our values and our, eth- uh, you know, our ethics and uh, uh, the, yeah, just the kind of work and the ways we want to grow professionally. And so that's one of the things I love is, is getting the opportunity to, to walk alongside people as they're um, learning and growing professionally. Yeah. Yeah. I love working with you two. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how much my skill set has grown since we've started this work. I mean, I, you know, I've walked alongside you, Erin, and learned about Envoy and classroom practices and gone from being like, I don't think I could help teachers with that to being like, oh, I can totally help teachers with that. And, you know, Amber, with you, with the restorative work, same thing. I'm like, I don't, you know, I kind of get it because I'm a, I'm a counselor psychologist by trade, but, you know, now we're in there doing the work, not only teaching and training, but um, facilitating those healing conversations. I love more than anything being able to help. I believe wholeheartedly in public education. And so the fact that I get to do this work where I can help educators kind of be their best selves in doing this work is so fulfilling to me. And um, I love to learn. And in this role, I get to do that. I get to learn all the time. And then I get to share what I've learned and um, make it maybe easier, not always, but trying to make it easier for teachers to just do the job that um, they're called to do, right? This is such, it, being in education is such a different profession than a lot of them. I mean, it truly is, you know, a calling so that I get to do that with them and with you is really amazing. I feel like I've hit the the job jackpot for sure. Now, that said, 
still, you know, this education is hard work and doing hard things is hard. That's the bottom line, right? Um, so I'd love to hear from both of you. Maybe Aaron, you could go first on what is it that you do specifically to make this work sustainable for you, that you can continue in these difficult times to support educators and be in culture of care? Um, I think one of the biggest learning curves I've had in my career is learning how to let work stay at work and have home be home. And especially in this, in, in this role where, you know, we don't have an office space that we go to. So when we have meetings, they're home. So really learning to, at the end of the day, close the door and let work stay at work. I think that helps me be fresh and come back every day refreshed and every day ready to bring my best self. Um, I, I think about when we weathered the storm of COVID, we learned a lot of things and we had, you know, a really, our, our work was more important than ever because we now had students who were going to experience all kinds of things differently. And we were still able to take that and, and grow from that. I think looking for the growth opportunities also continues to keep me fresh and keep me coming back and keep me bringing my best self is we can, we can look for opportunities to continue to grow and remain relevant. And knowing that there, that our time is so sought after and that there, there really is a uh, clamoring for, I, I was in a meeting just a, earlier today where we were trying desperately to find a Wednesday on my calendar that we could reschedule something. And while it was hard to say no, realizing that sometimes we do have to say no. And while I, that's never what I want to do, it's also an opportunity to continue to grow of, of saying that learning when to, and how to say that no. Yeah. Amber, how about you? I think when my, when I have control over um, my calendar, um, that I can protect it both personally and professionally and not just fill a space because it's open. I also had a similar experience recently where um, someone reached out and said, are you available on this day? And my first response in my head was like, yes, I am technically available at that time on that day. When I look at the larger week and then the larger month, do I have capacity to put together content to, you know, anyway, actually show up and do that and feel like I could be present. And I think um, my ultimate decision was no, I, I don't. Um, and that was making the decision, prioritizing me <laughs> and my wellness and my capacity. And so I think that's ongoing, like lifelong um, process. But I think that is a strategy of, um, how, like self-preservation and having like specific ways of doing that in my calendar when I have longer days that I have to do supervision until 6 30 p.m like then it, the next day in the morning am I how am I blocking out that calendar um to protect myself um and then also I would say strategy for me is mentorship so I think we all need to like we're like giving and serving some people but who is like pouring into us who are we learning from who is challenging us on our practices and who are we accountable to so I think having um, mentors in our life, that has been a lifeline for me, someone that I can um, bring things to, again, confidentially, and then I'll also be able to um, be challenged in ways that I am um, inviting in my life and that I want to learn and grow. And sometimes that is the 
the difference between me, me being able to say yes or no um, is having that someone else speaking into my life. Um, and I think just community and care, being connected, having relationships um, where I do feel safe and cared for and nurtured, and I'm not trying to get that just at work, uh, that outside of that, I have that um, a very rich community that I feel like I can lean on um, that really helps me so I can show up and uh, be kind of fully present and uh, not kind of needing so much uh, when I am in my role at work. Um, I can, I can get filled up from all the different areas of my life. And I think that's kind of more diversified in what my support and community care looks like. Yeah. Thank you. I love that idea of mentorship. And I certainly know that I lean on the two of you for a lot of that in our work. We work so closely um, for that guidance. I think one of the Um, wonderful problems to have is there's so much that I love to do in our work. There really, you know, there are so many things that I want to say yes to. And I found myself particularly last year saying yes, because I loved, I wanted to do it. I wanted to help, right? I've I've already admitted I am a, a helper at nature. And so This year, the thing that I'm doing to kind of make this work more sustainable for me is before I commit to anything, I'm bringing it back to you two, or I'm really mulling it over and looking at my calendar and saying, how does this fit? And is this in our, you know, is this in our lane? Should I be doing this work? So that's been really helpful for me. Also, my I like to have a word every year when I start <laughs> back at work is kind of like my my theme. And this year, my word is awareness and awareness of like, how am I doing physically, emotionally, spiritually, just bringing that awareness to myself so that I can adjust courses I need and not end up having, you know, all work, no play. But the nice thing about this is all the work that I do is it feels so much of it feels like play. And yet working, you know, 18 hours a day is not sustainable as a human, right? I still have to sleep. I still have to eat. I still have to, you know, my kids are grown, but I still, you know, take care of them in ways and my husband and things like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's and it's something that's not static right like what sustains me today is may or may not be the thing that sustains me tomorrow that's why that awareness piece is so key for me so um just wrapping up our conversation i am curious if you had a magic wand in your specific work that you do so aaron in the work of teaching teachers how to work with those um high growth students or coaching teachers, if you had a magic wand, what would happen? I would duplicate myself so that one of me could be working on presentations while the other me is in schools. I, it really does fuel me to be in the schools and with teachers and students and just to keep me, keep me humble with my, you know, skill set, but then also to keep those skills and and make sure that I'm still practicing them and so that they're, they don't go away on me. Um, I would mm-hmm. also uh, do some kind of magic with the calendar just to give me more time. Um, 
<laughs> I do. I love the work I do. I, I tell people all the time that I've won the work lottery and I legitimately feel that way. I feel valued by our organization and I feel valued by the, the um, schools we serve and I feel valued by my, my amazing teammates. And when you feel valued, you want to give your best. And I just, that's what I want to do every day is make sure I'm bringing my best and I'm my precious self. Thank you. Amber, if you had a magic wand in your kind of buckets of work of supervision and leadership and restorative practices, what would happen? Uh, There would be a full-time social worker and full-time mental health therapist in each school, at least one of each of those. Um, That kind of goes along with my, yeah need for just seeing the need for staffing um, and that there would be supervision and support for all of those folks. And it wouldn't just be me. Um, I, I don't actually want to duplicate myself. I want someone else to do it. So I think we <laughs> build, build a community of providers because um, uh, there's, yeah, there's just not enough in our region. And so I would, I would like more practitioners as well as um, community and supervision, like professional uh, community um, and then I think uh, thinking about restorative practices, I would love for there to be a cohort, uh, a couple of people in, in each building that are have the training, have the expertise, are in the role of advocate um, for building restorative cultures and that we can continue to you know support and walk alongside. But um, in every school and organization, there are people who are championing that and are like the contact person where you're like, I need help with this. Like, that we're supporting those folks so that we can build our capacity and be more available across our region versus us being that person who has to be called into each school. So I'd like to see more um, leadership and, and and I'll add, not adding that to someone else's plate, someone's plate that's already full. So this right. may mean like maybe there is a restorative uh, practices, you know, FTE that is added, um, but we need somebody in the, in the building um, who is able, equipped and has the time to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm not doing this job during the day, I'm teaching um, in a counselor education program. And so many of the school counselors are going on to get jobs as the restorative uh, practices coordinators in schools. So that would be amazing to have in our area. Yeah. I think I would want to have a wellness (laughs) individual in each school that's not something extra. And then to have the resources for us to do the work of public education. We're just so underfunded in so many areas. Um, I would love to see what a school could look like if it had full funding across the board for teachers, counselors, administrators, support staff. I just think our youth would benefit immensely if that happened. All right. What did we miss out? Anything else you want to make sure our listeners know before we sign off, Erin? Um, I think just, I love what I do. I, I feel like uh, it's a blessing every day to get to do the work that I'm doing. And, the, and I get to continue to build my skills and continue to learn and grow my skill set more. And um, I feel valued doing that. Great. Thank you. 
Amber, how about you? What do you, anything else you want our listeners to know? Um, mostly that just know that there are people doing this work across our state and it may be in the district. It may be in the ESD. It may be a community partner, uh, but there is a lot of momentum and um, energy around trauma-informed, trauma-responsive, restorative and equity-centered practice um, just may look or sound a little different or use different terms. But I think um, being intentional about reaching out and finding who in your area is championing this work and how to partner with them, um, I would just highly recommend that for each of you. Well, thank you so much for joining me on season 11, talking about culture of care, our specific work, and we'll be talking about how that might look in other areas in Oregon as well. Um, Thank you for listening and take care. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.